Man, we have got a lot to be excited about today. So much, so much. I hope you brought a Bible this morning. If you didn't, if you got it on your phone, on version, we'll have it up on the screen. But we're going to be in Luke 24 this morning. So want to spend time uh, with the resurrection story, looking uh, at an account historically of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And so uh, if you'll turn to Luke 24, in a moment we'll start about verse 13. Now, we're going to go for a walk this morning. We're going to take a walk with, uh, some of you were hoping I was going to let you out of church, but uh, we're going to take a walk with a couple of Jesus' disciples here this morning. Where would you expect Jesus to be on Resurrection Sunday? Would he be in a church, maybe stained glass windows, organ music playing in the background, maybe some ushers handing out bulletins like our ushers were. I think we should say thank you to all our ushers and children's ministry and people serving today. We appreciate you all very, very much. Wouldn't it surprise you to know on Resurrection Sunday, Jesus went on the road? I think many of you <clears throat> I think many of you know that on resurrection Sunday before Je- or as Jesus left the tomb the first thing he did is he descended into hell how many remember that okay, maybe from the Nicene Creed you were going through confirmation or catechism uh, when you were younger maybe you've read about it in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 but the first thing Jesus did when he rose from the dead Actually, he descended into hell. He grabbed Satan in a headlock, you know, WFC fight, and he's, he rips off the keys uh, to death and hell, and, uh, and then he begins his ascension. The Bible says, led captives in his train, all those in the Old Testament who longed and hoped for Jesus to come. The Bible says he led captives in his train, and so just in the wake of his resurrection, Literally, millions of people who have been waiting for the hope of the resurrection. Jesus ascended into heaven. But what's amazing is he stopped on the way. In fact, it's recorded in John's gospel, John chapter 20. He saw Mary Magdalene, saw her crying. And he was moved with compassion for her. And so so he literally appears as a gardener there next to the tomb. Now, the tomb is empty. His body's missing, and of course, Mary is concerned. She looks over, thinks Jesus is the gardener. He's the handyman, which, by the way, is pretty handy. But anyway, she says, if you tell me where you put his body, I will get him. And then he says, Mary, and she recognizes his voice because he knew her name. How many know Jesus knows your name? In fact, I believe he's speaking to you this morning. One of the things I think we'll catch as we're working through this message this morning is Jesus is here, and he's calling each one of us by name on our own. He says, Mary, and Mary recognizes Jesus' voice. She says, Rabboni, which means teacher, and she grabbed him around his feet, his lower legs, his ankles, and Jesus said, don't hold on to me. I've not yet ascended to my Father in heaven. So he was on his way. 
but he was moved with compassion. I believe Jesus is moved with compassion for us here today. And we're going to look at a story here this morning, how Jesus was moved with compassion after uh, that time with Mary toward two disciples who are literally walking away from Jerusalem. Now, how many know Jerusalem is where the promise, where the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out? And yet they're turning the back. They're turning their back and walking away uh, from the palm rest. They're discouraged. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, they're feeling defeated. Uh, they're confused. It's a great illustration of Jesus' love for us on our journey. And, uh, you know, we all struggle with faith. We've all been confused. We've all felt defeated. I'm going to begin reading in verse 12. And uh, we're going to read a bunch of verses here this morning. I'm sorry about that. But it's such a wonderful story. So, starting in verse 13, Luke 24. It says, that same day, uh, two of Jesus' followers were uh, walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, uh, they, they were talking about everything that had happened. Uh, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Uh, then one of them, Cleopas, we're going to call him Cleo for this sermon. We're going to be friends in heaven, so that's okay. We've got a nickname for him. Uh, then one of them, Cleo, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there these last few days. What things? <laughs> Jesus asked, kind of egging him on a little bit. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. So they start telling Jesus about Jesus here. Uh, he was a prophet who did mighty miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of followers uh, were at the tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. Uh, they said his body is missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. I mean, some of our men ran out to sea and sure enough, his body was gone. Just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, don't you, you, you find it so hard to believe all the, that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then Jesus took them through the scriptures from Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were uh, nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Uh, Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us uh, since it was getting late. So he went home with them. Uh, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread, blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? 
And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Uh, there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly standing there among them, peace be with you. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he said. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies. As you can see, I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet where the nails had gone through his hands and his feet. Verse 41. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. That is a great verse. Still, they stood there in disbelief, but at the same time, they were filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? Once again, he's trying to show them he's a real person. He has a body. He's alive. Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Could we ask Jesus to do that here today? Lord, open our minds to help us understand the scriptures, the truth that you're alive. And he said, yes, it, is, it was written long ago the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Let me read that again. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. <laughs> Hallelujah. You are witnesses of all these things. Verse 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit. This is the promise. Now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. This is such a great story. I know it's, it's long and it's hard to follow when someone else is reading. I understand all that. But this is such an important historical testimony. You see, these men were witnesses that Jesus was alive. One of the reasons it'll include names in the Bible like Cleo is because people knew him. And because people knew him that read this story, they could go to Cleo and, and say, you know, was it true? And of course, uh, Cleo could tell him, I saw him. Jesus is alive. Not only is the Bible filled with historical accounts of how God worked his plan of salvation throughout history, but it's amazing how these stories oftentimes are illustrations, almost metaphors of how God works by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How many know that we're on a journey? Every person in this room, you've got a journey of faith that you're on. You're busy with your kids. You're busy with your business. You're busy with your career. You're on this journey of faith. And Jesus is so often trying to get our attention, 
trying to help us see that he is here and that he is alive. I think it's interesting that this is a seven-mile journey, and I called this sermon a seven-mile uh, miracle because the word seven is very important in the Bible. Uh, it's a, a word that refers to being fulfilled or being complete. Remember Jesus, he created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Why did he rest? Because he was tired? No, because it was complete. And so this number seven throughout the Bible, they marched around Jericho seven times, uh, seven different days, uh, one time and then seven days on the last day. This number seven. Do you know that there's a pathway that God has for you to discover Jesus in your life? And he wants to bring that to completion in your life. And the truth is, all of us are searching for something. I mean, everybody. You go to work tomorrow morning. You're working in the school system or out at the air base or over at the hospital. We're all searching for something. We're all searching for significance, for value, for meaning and purpose in our life. And sometimes, even for Christians, it's like, I know Jesus there. I know he loves me. But there's this competition in your soul for what place you will give Jesus uh, in your life because we're all on a journey in our life and he has a pathway for us. He wants to reveal himself completely for who he is and he wants us to turn our hearts and our life back to the promise. See, these guys were walking away from the promise and how many know many times we've done the same thing? We get discouraged, we feel defeated, we start walking away from the promise, but Jesus wants to turn us back today, back to the coming of the Holy Spirit, back to the transformation he wants to do in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives and through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, working through our life. And what I want you to know this morning as we get started is he's closer than you think. He really is. He cares for you uh, more than you realize. One of the things we struggle most with the whole idea of a relationship with God is how could he love me? And how could he change me? I mean, could I really ever measure up? There will be people this morning, I, I promise you, you'll walk out of here and you'll say, I could never do that. You'll write this whole time off. It's like that was nice, music was great, flowers were pretty. But you'll walk out of here saying, that could never be me. Because we're in a battle. And Jesus is trying to get our heart. And he's trying to get our attention. I think it's interesting here in these verses that just the picture of seven, that he wants to bring it to completion in our life. And I believe there's for some of us here this morning, God's wanting to bring it completion in your life, a place of full surrender uh, to the person of, of Jesus Christ. Now, I love how Jesus walks up to the disciples and, and they don't even recognize that he's there. Isn't that true in our life? So, so often, we have to look back to see how God worked in our life. And sometimes we don't realize how close he is. You know what it says in Acts chapter 17, verse 28? The Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. He's everywhere. He's all around us in our life. In him we live and move 
and have our being. And in Romans 10, verse 13, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, when you say his name, when you just speak his name, he's there. He's that close. He's that close to every one of us here this morning. I think it's interesting sometimes uh, we'll pray this prayer and you'll hear us at the end of a worship time. Lord, we just invite you to come and fill this place with your presence. How many think that's a great prayer? It really is, but sometimes I think the Lord would like to say to us, I'm already here. I've been waiting for you to come. And I've been waiting for you to open your heart to my presence. And I've been waiting for you to open your heart to my love. See, he's closer than we think. We simply call on the name of the Lord. And he's there. He's, he's, he's that close. He's closer than we think. And I love that picture of Jesus walking with the disciples on their journey, on their road uh, to Emmaus and to encounter with the person of Jesus. Second thing I want you to see here this morning is we often give up way too soon. I mean, we really do. We quit too easily. Luke chapter 24, verse uh, 21, these two disciples said, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. We had hoped. It's past tense. We had hoped. I had hoped. And it's as though they're already defeated. I I think we can all imagine a little of how difficult it was. I mean, they'd seen Jesus do so many miracles. They'd seen the power of God working through his life. He opened blind eyes. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. Fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. It would be hard to see that power of God on display through Jesus' life. And then watch him be crucified? And if you're familiar with crucifixion this morning, we just read over that verse. But it was brutal. It was horrible. The Roman government was making a statement when they crucified someone. They were beaten, they were bruised, and of course the nails driven through their hands, and then they hung on a cross, sometimes literally for days, as a statement. This was brutal. They watched Jesus be, be crucified. So it's you know, easy for me to wonder, but here's what I'm thinking. It's the third day. And didn't Jesus say on the third day that he would rise again? I mean, if you've read through the Gospels several times, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be crucified. But on the third day, over and over again, in John's Gospel, he said, destroy this temple, referring to his body. He said, on the third day, I will raise it back again. Earlier that morning, the angels came. And said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. And then he said, you remember what he said in Galilee? That he would be betrayed. He'd be crucified. But on the third day. And these two disciples have heard all that. And yet on the third day, they're walking away. Turning their back. And walking away from the promise. Walking away from Jerusalem. It's the third day. Why are they giving up so soon? I think sometimes 
we get discouraged spiritually more than we think. And when we face something and we begin to think immediately, God, where are you? Well, he's close. He's close, closer than we think. But it's so easy to give up. One of the things I've learned, and this is important, God is powerful, he's almighty, but he's sneaky. How many know that God is sneaky? Jesus, sneaky Jesus. He really is. Think about when he came to earth as a baby, God. I don't know about you, if I was God coming to earth, man, I'd be in a fighter jet coming down. You know, halftime at the Super Bowl, you know, with all the lights and the cameras. And he comes as a baby. And the sign, the sign. When the angels spoke to the shepherds, you will find him wrapped in rags and laying in a feeding trough for animals. That's crazy. No, that's sneaky. That's sneaky Jesus. He's sneaky. You know what we think? We think if God shows up in our life, it'll be spectacular. I mean, he'll do, it'll just, you know, he'll write it in the sky. I love you. You're mine. And when that doesn't happen, we just, God, where are you? We feel so distant. Sometimes we feel so dirty. I want you to understand, he's sneaky. He comes in ordinary circumstances. He comes through a friend, someone sometimes you know very well, sometimes a family member. Because we don't feel his presence, we don't think he's there, but he's sneaky. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I speak in parables so that hearing they won't understand and seeing they won't really see. Why? Because he's sneaky. Because he's after something different than what we think. Do you know that when God wanted to bring life into the world, he snuck it in through death? That's sneaky. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And then he breathed his last and gave up his spirit to God. And new life began. When God brought life into the world, he snuck it in through death. When he wants to bring peace into your heart, he brings it in the midst of chaos. We're thinking, God, we just want everything to go so well and be peaceful. What kind of peace is that? When circumstances are perfect, yeah, I can trust God. How many have ever had a peace that passes all understanding? You understand that God wants to do something that's not a part of this world. You know, sometimes we, we pray, God, we just ask for your blessing. Do you know what that means? We think blessing is a thing. And blessing is not a thing. Blessing is the supernatural ability to be content in whatever circumstance. And when you are circumstantially challenged, the Holy Spirit's presence brings such peace. And you sit there blessed. Because blessing is not a thing. You can look around and see ways that God has blessed you. But how many know blessing is a supernatural contentment? that enables you to know that you have the secret to life. See, Jesus said, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. He's the way. We don't understand all the details, but if you want to know the way to life, it's in the person of Jesus Christ. He's the way. He's the only way. He's the truth. And sometimes we'll be talking with someone. Isn't it frustrating? They have all these questions, and you don't have the answers. But you have the truth because you have Jesus, and he is the truth. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And when you have Jesus, you understand blessing. You understand the fullness of life within your soul that God designed you to have. In the midst of all your searching and all your struggle and all the difficulties and all the times that you, you feel defeated, you're blessed because you have that abundant life that Jesus intended for you. Could someone say Amen. So thankful for that. He's sneaky. Pastor, I hoped. We had hoped. We hoped. Past tense. We hoped our marriage would work out. I hoped when I committed my life to Jesus and was baptized in water, I hoped that that would be the end to my addiction. We hoped. I hoped that this relationship would last I hoped, past tense. Don't miss the God who is because you're stuck in what was. Don't miss the God who is because you're stuck in what was. Because he is a very present help in times of trouble. Did someone say hallelujah? He's a very present help in times of trouble. I have a friend who uh, got to, he was asked to, to, to speak at a conference in Australia. He was telling me the story. Uh, you know, when he got to Australia, Australia is a million miles away. How many know? That's, have you ever flown to Australia? It takes like nine years. Actually, it takes about 23 hours. It's a long, long ways. And it's across the uh, International Day Line. So when you get there, it's tomorrow. Okay. So he's having fun with his kids. He's talking on the phone. And it's morning there. And it's night here. And it's tomorrow. So <laughs> he shows them a picture of Sydney, Australia. You know, they're doing FaceTime with his kids. He's showing them Sydney. And it's dark, you know, where his kids are. And he says, hey, kids, kids, I'm already in tomorrow. You know, and they're laughing about that. They don't know quite what that means or anything. And he's having fun. But when it came time to hang up, his little five-year-old said, Dad, could you tell me what tomorrow is like? That's the resurrection. See, Jesus is your tomorrow. Isn't it interesting? Every time Jesus appears, his first words are, peace be with you. Don't be afraid. Jesus is your tomorrow. They are standing next to hope, totally defeated. They've lost all their hope. We had hoped. And yet the God of all hope is standing right next to them. I think that's amazing. See, Jesus is closer than we think. And, of course, we have a tendency to quit before we should. 
the last thing I'll say about this journey we're on, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing journey. You need to know how far Jesus continues with you on this journey. Depends on you. It really does depend on you. And I want to make this as simple as possible, but uh, Luke 24, verse 28 through 31, it says, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he, was, uh, he were going on. That's not the only time in the Bible where Jesus acted like he was going to pass them by. He did that, remember, when, they were, uh, when, when Peter walked on the water and Jesus was walking on the water and he acted as though he was going to pass them by. So Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened. They recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. One of the things that's really hard for us is conviction. It's really hard to be convicted. And, and one of the challenges I know for me when I first became a Christian, it just, it just seemed impossible that I could become that person. Just, you know, the convict, I love the word of God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes when we look honestly at our life, the whole idea of change just, just seems, I can't do it. So we'll walk out of church and say, that was an awesome sermon. I just can't go there. I just can't change. And, and one of the things I love here is just how Jesus convicted these guys. This is amazing. If you look at verse 25, Jesus said, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote. Wasn't it predicted the Messiah would suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then he teaches them the whole Bible. How many would like a sermon like that? For seven miles. I don't know how long that would take you to walk. But we got a few hours here. That's a long sermon. And a lot of conviction. A lot of conviction. But it's interesting when he acted as though, okay, now I'm going to go on, see what they do with it. They begged him to stay. They begged him to stay. And that's when they changed. That's when he was revealed. That's when the scales came off their eyes. And Jesus revealed himself to them. Verse 32, here's what they said about Jesus after he disappeared. He said, didn't our hearts burn within us? Man, we were so convicted, our hearts burned within us. And yet they begged Jesus to stay. So how much do you want Jesus to reveal himself to you? I mean, what kind of changes are you willing to make to make Jesus everything? To not only pray, Lord, we want your presence, but to realize the Lord is the one who is waiting for your presence for you to open your heart and open the door. How much? 
How much does the resurrection? You see, this was only the beginning. At this point, Jesus revealed himself. He broke the bread. And I think they saw the scars in his hands. And they realized it was him. And of course, their eyes were open. The blinders came off. But there was a promise waiting for them in Jerusalem. And within an hour, they were up and they were on their way back. And if you read John's account in John 20, that night when they got back, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And of course, the Holy Spirit came to cause them to be born again. The Bible says a new heart and a new mind. So often when we're thinking about faith, I couldn't do that. I couldn't make those changes. I couldn't think that way. And the truth is, you can't. But God said, I'll take out your stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my law in your heart. And I'll put my law in your mind. And the power of the Holy Spirit will come and transform you and enable you. See, there's a promise if you're willing to open up your heart and receive the promise that God truly has. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on out here this morning and we're going to prepare to go home. And I'm going to invite you to stand with me. My prayer for you this morning is that this wouldn't be just another Easter Sunday morning. Because we're all on a journey. We're all pursuing something. And Jesus, believe it or not, he's closer than you think. He's with you. And he wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know that he is real and that he is alive. And I don't know what your background is and faith, what you grew up in. But there's a promise waiting for you. There's a promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit, born again with his word in your heart and in your mind. And I want to encourage you this morning before you go. It's great that we ask for his presence, but he's inviting. He's inviting you to come into his presence. And he's inviting you to open your heart to his presence here this morning. So... Heavenly Father, Lord, some of these moments that we've been together, Lord, some are inspirational. Sometimes it's fun to see other people. But Lord, some of them are eternal. Some of them are moments where the Holy Spirit is opening our spirit and our eyes to see that you're real and to see that you're alive. And Lord, I pray for each one of us here today. Help us open our heart to you. Allow you room, Lord, to come in and fill our lives with the power of your presence, the power of your love, and the person of the Holy Spirit. And I just, as we close today, uh, I would just, uh, I just want to give you an opportunity. I don't want to embarrass you or ask you to come up front. That's not my goal. But if the Lord has spoken to you today and you've decided to make room for him and pursue him, knowing that he is real, 
Would you just let me know that today? Most importantly, would you let him know that today by just lifting up your hand? I'm not going to draw attention to you or anything, but just it's just a chance for you to respond. If that's you, just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me today. I want to respond to the presence of the Holy Spirit touching my heart, touching my life, touching my mind. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you are touching us here today. I know there are many of us, Lord, that makes us nervous. And so it's... But Lord, I know that you see their hearts and hear their prayers. We thank you so much for your presence here. Jesus, help us. Help us on this journey. We thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, we all say amen together. Amen. Can we sing this song before we go?